another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy whose favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, I think, is Leonardo, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing tonight? Well, I was doing doing better until that slight against me michelangelo who do you don't even know me man it's my it's michelangelo all the way all the time like what what's your deal were you trying to make me mad i'm a donatello fan so you can hate me for that okay yeah well noted no noted noted how uh, how are you how are you doing how are you doing this monday night uh a little bittersweet um we're we're shooting right after the cracking game ended um as we well know the Kraken lost uh 2-1 and I'm a little bummed um I've been telling people though the season was a success regardless if they won game 7 or not um they were never supposed to get this far um it was a 19 win improvement on last season you know they went from basically bottom to the league to top 5 in uh the Western Conference so good season for them. And, uh, you know, while I'm a little bummed, I, I can't wait for next year. That just means though, my full undivided attention is now to the Mariners, at least until the Seahawks start. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take it here at the Forkstown podcast. Cause, uh, we need it. So there you go. Yep. 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 Before we get into everything, Thank you, thank you, thank you again for taking time to listen to this edition of the Forks Down Podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, hey, thanks for choosing us, and hopefully we're your new home for Mariners Baseball Talk. I know there's not a lot of podcasts out there, or at least ones that are con- as consistent as we are. Um, you know, I like to, I like to be uh, saying, you know, consistency is key for us. Um, you know, coming out with now two podcasts a week, but, um, if you haven't already go hit like, and subscribe, um, on our, your podcast listening app, get notified about new episodes dropping. Um, you know, maybe rate us five stars again, not for our egos, but you know, it'll help us, uh, get more listens and, you know, go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram searching forks down podcast. We try to make a post. Every time we drop a new episode, you can send us questions. If you want them asked on air, um, you know, you can, you know, shoot the breeze with us through the messenger. I know I have a couple people messaging me, asking me what I think and, um, you know, asking what Bo thinks. So yeah, if you, if you guys want to do that, go hit us up on Facebook and Instagram, just search Forks Down Podcast. So with all that being said, Bo. Um, I'm looking at the sheet here. It looks like we have no Mariners notes, no movement. Um, and honestly, I, I feel that's like kind of good, uh, a good sign. You know, there's been some times we shoot these podcasts and two or three people are going on the IL or getting sent down. And I, I think it's kind of a good sign that there's no Mariners notes. Yep. Agreed. And it's just that kind of time of year where we're in the middle of May. Teams are just kind of, figuring it out. I think, uh, you know, I think the next couple of weeks 
I would say maybe by June or so more teams, there might be a little bit more clear line of like who the buyers and sellers are going to be. And then maybe, you know, more of the talk and chatter will kind of come up at that point. But um, no, agree with you. Good to also not have, you know, I feel like everybody's getting struck by the injury bug lately. And um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we haven't had knock on wood that we haven't had anything, you know, recently, but you know, outside of Robbie Ray and a couple others here and there for Menounos, et cetera there. But um, hopefully that continues. That's so, yep. Well, with no Mariners notes, that means we just get to hop in straight into the Mariners versus Tiger series. Mariners tra- traveled to Detroit and took on the Tigers. Um, it was a weekend series, um, and it was a good one for the most part. Uh, definitely thought the Mariners should have got the sweep there. Um, the 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 series finale was kind of a, a disaster, especially in the later innings, but we'll get to that. Let's start with uh, the game from the 12th, which is the Friday. The game was started by Marco, and um, Mariners' offense really, really kind of jumped out early um, to grab the lead. Yes, sir. You love to see it. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of, you know, what. Uh, I don't want to say what we've been waiting for, but, and we've had some glimpses of this, but um, yeah, this Mariners offense is fully capable of, you know, jumping out to the early lead like they did in this game and, uh, you know, got to jump out, jump off an old friend and Matt Boyd. Um, and I think it was, uh, I think the stars kind of aligned, I think for the team to have somewhat of a, you know, big breakout in this game anyways, right. They strung together a lot of hits. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. try to do too much, which I think is the story of the game for, for Julio and Teoscar. Right. Um, I just, uh, didn't try to do a whole lot, strung together a lot of singles, a lot of walks and, you know, scored some of those runs early and, uh, just very positive sign to see, I think for, for an offense, it's been, uh, had its struggles. Yep. Uh, it was definitely a very, very good, Thing to see all those hits put together um, by my total uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven hits on the day with a big a big day coming from Julio from J Rod um, batting out of the three hole went three for five. <clears throat> Excuse me, two runs, four RBIs. Did leave two on base. Um, did hit a home run. Um, I mean, just a just a big day for J Rod. Um, I, I really think J Rod is looking a lot better out of the three hole. I, you know, small sample size. Cause he, he batted lead off for most of the season um, up to the last couple days. But in that small sample size, he looks like he's um, kind of picking some pitches out a little bit better. Um, he's still striking out a little bit more, but um, they're not as egregious as we saw at the start of the season. Yep. And, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I think thus far the Julio moving around experiment, whatever you want to say, um, has looked pretty good, right? He's hit safely in a couple number of games. Um, he does, I think, look a little, maybe a little bit more relaxed in that hole. But, um, you know, I think as we're reading this, right? Yeah, like you said, very small sample size, but I think he's batting 444 out of the three hole. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, yeah, I wonder, you know, what the future is going to bring for him when it comes to that three hole, right? Especially as we kind of advance on and if we want to try to move him back up or how JP Crawford advances there. But um, yeah, I think he looks so much more comfortable getting back to maybe the old Julio, hopefully. And uh, yeah, we saw a little bit of it in this game. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, five different people had RBIs um, during the game. Crawford got picked up an RBI. France had an RBI. Teoscar had an RBI. Kelnick had an RBI. And then, of course, J-Rod had four. Um, one thing i kind of been tracking, um, just because, you know, we've been seeing it a lot, is kind of how many Ks the team has. And I kind of wonder if uh, the lack of Ks we had in Friday's game is a season low. I don't know if you want to look that up. They only had four Ks as a team, you know, which is hmm. great to see. Um, it means we were getting on base and a lot of the doubts were – in the field, fly balls, ground outs, but you know, for a team that's been basically number one in strikeouts, um, you know, on, offensively, um, it, it was good to see kind of some uh, some better plate appearances from the Mariners on Friday. Yep, no, I mean, I think it was uh, you might have it in front of you. I think it was five walks on the Friday game, right? So I think you know more walks than strikeouts, always a very positive sign for the team there, um, and. You know, uh, that's what you want from a team that prides themselves on controlling the zone, right? So um, I think uh, this was just a game where I feel like it all kind of came together. Marco was solid on the mound. The offense um, <clears throat> was able to string together a number of hits, you know, have that great play, great play discipline, like you said. And uh, this is what I think this team is capable of, right? Just these consistent good games um, like this. So uh, very good game on Friday. Yep. Um Team runners in scoring position, 5 for 13. Team left on base, 6. 5 for 13 is going to get you a 92 victory. That's just no no bones about it there. Uh, the one, a little blemish just because we've been keeping track of it. Kelnick grounded into a double play. So, um, yeah. Pitching-wise, uh, again, Marco had a good start. Went six innings, gave up five hits, two runs. Both of them earned. Only had two Ks, only gave up one walk, gave up a home run. That was enough, you know. He pitched great. His ERA is now down to, I think, a 4.42. Um, so Marco's progressing. He hasn't lost the game this year, you know. Um, he has given up some runs. He's been tagged a couple times. But Marco, you know, again, we, we talked about it early in the season. It looks like Marco probably heard some of the complaints from Mariners fan and, and, and was feeling the heat. And uh, he really, he really has impressed me this season so far. Even the games he's kind of got tagged, he's he's always kind of left us in the game. No, you're you're spot on. Like he, he's giving this team a chance to win every single time, mm-hmm. and coming out of like, I mean, he's filling in like the four hole. I think technically, if you want to count it right now, but he's you know he's kind of a more of a fifth starter and like. That's what exactly what you want. You're from your fifth starter, right? It's like just somebody that <clears throat> um, is going to give you a chance to win, right? Rather than it just feels like it's a rest day. And like, I, I think the thing that I'm just very happy about is like so many people, I think when Marco, when they see Marco starting, right? They're like, oh, well, might be a loss today. And like, well, Marco gives you a chance to win most of all these games that he's pitched in. And his command is, his command is looking very good for, um, I think what maybe a lot of people anticipated. So um, love it. I love to see it. Yep. Yep. His velocity seems to be a little bit up. So, um, and, and his spin is a little bit down, but I don't know. You know, he was just battling with something in his head last year, but it's good to see him kind of get the demons out and, and knock on wood. We continue this good trend to Marco starts. Um, 
you know, before we, we stop talking about the Freddy game, you know, props to the bullpen again. Uh, Trevor Gott came in, gave us an inning, uh, one hit, one base on ball, one K. Topa pitched an inning, only gave up a hit, no runs. And then Saucedo came in, one one inning, one K. That's what you want. Mariners put you out in a big, big lead, and you want the game kind of locked down after that. So good team win on Friday, good plate discipline. And it kind of kind of continued into Saturday's game. You know, the Mariners uh, didn't put as many runs up on the board, but you really didn't need those runs when um, future ace Bryce Miller's on the mound. Um, he uh very, very dominant performance again um, and, and attributed big to the 5 nothing shutout of Detroit on Saturday. Yep, and the... Uh... I mean, what's the quote I see? Um, Bryce Miller's a dude, right? Is that what I, I think that's a quote I see? Um, he's. I, I, I think. I think what the cool kids say is, Bryce Miller is him. Bryce Miller is him. Okay. Is him? Yeah, I think. You know, I I think that's a little couple generations, you know, away mm-hmm. from us. But I guess we can use it. You know, we're just like the old guys using hip lingo. Like busting and, <laughs> uh, well, anyways, um, <laughs> um, but no, Bryce Miller was uh, incredibly dominant in this game, and uh, what I really like to see out of him was, uh, yeah, he just used more pitches. He had he used more things in his arsenal, right? He was uh, <clears throat> less flat fastball reliant. Um, I think he was about 50% fastball this time, which might still be, you know, it's still using the fastball quite a bit, but the, when the fastball is as good as his is right. Um, and the spin on it is, is truly dominant. Like, yeah, keep going at it. It's just, it's eating up right-handed hitters. So um, <clears throat> what I really like to see was that he, we got to see, you know, a whole nother batch of, I would say good pitches from Bryce Miller. We got to see his slider. We got to see his curveball some more and his changeup. Um, so this is just looking like a guy that's a complete pitcher, right? Like a guy that can be able to throw four pitches. I know that his batting average against like his curveball and some of his off speed stuff might be uh, um, a little higher, right. Than what he expected. But um, I think he's going to continue to grow as the season goes along here. And uh, when he's got a fastball that he can rely on and go back to like that, that's just going to be, uh, it's just a formula for, you know, positivity going forward for him. Yeah. And it's, it's wild to see because the first couple starts he had, he, it seemed like he was striking out a bunch of people. Um, you know, the, the game, his first game, he had, what was it? 10 strikeouts or something. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but this game, he only had three strikeouts. Uh, so a lot of, uh, a lot of ground balls, a lot of fly balls. He kept it in the ballpark. You know, I, I think, you know, the fly balls kind of attributed to, you know, Comerica park and its dimensions, um, but again, very good start. And, and like you said, he's, he's mixing in pitches and it was brought up on the broadcast that day, 50% fastball, 23% slider, 18% curve, 10% change. Like that's a good mix. You're keeping, you're keeping hitters off balance and it's showing, you know, it's, it's giving the Mariners a chance to win from a pitching step from the pitching side. So, um, you know, his final line was seven innings. He only gave up three hits, had three Ks. And then the last two innings, we had Topa come in, pitch an inning, um, had two Ks. And then Brash came in and uh, was kind of Dr. Jekyll this time. One inning pitched, one K. 
you know, as we're going to get into, we saw kind of his uh, Mr. Hyde form on Sunday. But um, offensively, uh, you know, not a lot of hits. Uh, Teo did have a three-hit game. He had a home run, his eighth home run of the season. Had a, It was a two-run home run, so he has 19 RBIs on the season. Kelnick went one for four, had a home run, his eighth home run of the season. Um, it was a two-run home run, so he's got 20 um, runs batted in on the season. Team runners in scoring position, one for five, and left on base four. Um, again, I mean, that's a low left on base number. That's basically because the Mariners, you know, didn't get on base a lot, but with Bryce Miller pitching, I mean, you know, I don't want to see him get Felix, but, you know, they did just enough to, to give the Mariners that win, you know. Definitely did. Definitely did. And, um, I, uh, I think it's important to know, as we know with Julio, that, uh, Tay Oscar's batting 375 out of that seven hole. Um, mm-hmm. and it seems like his at bats are getting a little bit better as they go along. Um, you know, Julio might be something that sticks in the three hole. I wouldn't expect Tay Oscar to stick in the seven hole if, you know, things start to turn around better for him. But, um, just another guy that it looks like it might be coming around for him. Um, and, uh, I mean, this game, you know, I would say, uh, <clears throat> this is kind of what you, um, what you need out of some of these guys on the offensive side, right? Like some of the bats aren't going, we string together one for four days and then Tay Oscar's able to come in and get a couple of ribbies. And then JK is coming with a big home run. Like some of those times where, you know, some of those games where you hit less, where you have, you know, positive, um, I think at bats, they're just going to end up winning games and that's what happened here. So, um, just another solid game. Yep. 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 And it was a, it was a good solid game to watch because Sundays was, uh, it started off great, but kind of came, became a little bit unbearable towards the end. And, uh, Mariners again, should have had the sweep ended up losing Sunday's game by a score of better have my notes up here. Three to five, five to three, three to five. Mariners did win the series, but um, man, in and I just we got to touch on it. Matt Brash did not look great. It was his Mister Hyde day. I feel like he gives us a couple good, solid outings, and he comes out and, and has a pretty bad one. Um, fortunately for him, um, the if you're just looking at the box score, you're not going to see that he had a bad game. Um, because the two runs were attributed to Gabe Spire. Gabe Spire took the loss, but man, Matt Brash. I mean, he's striking out a ton of people, but it just looks terrible sometimes. Yeah, this was, uh, this was was a bad outing for Matt Brash. And, you know, I I think credit to him, right? Gabe Spire did not look as good, right? When Gabe, when Gabe came into the, I guess he came into the next inning, right? Gabe did not look probably as good as he has the whole entire, the rest of the season. Um, I think he thought he still looked okay, but, um, you know, Gabe Spire didn't have all of his best stuff and Detroit was a little aggressive against him. So able to get a couple of runner base runners on. Um, and, yeah, Matt Brash is the big out guy now, right? And um, mm-hmm. I think the team still has confidence in him even after this, but he's the guy that <clears throat> they go to in these situations now. Um, and he just didn't have it today. He just didn't have it on Sunday, right? Like, um, 
Nick Maton. I was the Aaron Goldschmidt made a point of Nick Maton being the worst hitter in baseball. And uh, yeah, Matt Brash hit him. And um, at that point, that was a pretty low point of uh, certainly a low point of the series, low point of maybe the last couple of games was just uh, a game that was within reach. And we hit the guy that's the worst hitter in baseball to kind of, you know, really change the tide of that game. So um, just rough, just tough. I think you asked me last week, like, what might change on the Matt Brash side if like, you know, um, you know, what might change on the Matt Brash side if like he, you know, isn't able, isn't like, what if he, what if he has a couple more outings like this, right? Will that change their perspective of him? And I certainly think so. Right. I think for right now, they still believe that he's the big out guy until Menounos gets back. And, you know, I hope that this was just a, a little blip on the season thus far. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I certainly want him to turn it around. You know, I, I wouldn't like him to get optioned, and you know, unless he has a couple bad outings. And again, you, you know, they've got Easton McGee coming back. They got Penn Murphy on the IL that's going to be coming back soon. Um, like if if Easton McGee comes back and he's not doing great, I mean, why not keep Easton McGee on the roster and send Matt Brash down? You know, um, obviously, probably won't because Easton McGee's kind of been more of a starter, but um. You know, they could look at something there. I don't want Matt Brash to, you know, get sent down because I think he's got very big potential. But um. well, I guess I don't think I don't think Matt Brash is going. I don't think Matt Brash is going down like whatsoever, right? Like I think Matt Brash is Matt Brash is there, right? Like, and you talk about wins above replacements, strikeouts per nine, like he's dominant, right? And I hope this was just a blip, right? If it continues, then yes, but I don't think it's going to continue. That's what I'll say my piece there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, the good, good part of the bullpen, uh, on, in Sunday's game was one ten. came in again, pitched a inning and a third, um, only had one hit one base on balls, but he got out of the inning unscathed or the inning and a third unscathed. And, uh, He's still got a 0.00 ERA. So good on Juan 10 to kind of show the Mariners that he might be ready for that major league bullpen. But um, offensively, it was uh, kind of the mixed bag. You know, the Mariners strung together some hits. Um, top five of the order, all but Tom Murphy had a hit. And then um, Cal came in and went one for two. So, you know, you can kind of say the, the top of the lineup – Almost, you know, outside of Colton Wong, who pitch hit, and Jared Kelnick, everyone had a hit except Tom Murphy that started in, on Sunday. Um, Cal had a two bagger when he came in. Teo and and Julio both got their twentieth RBI of the season, and then one of the runs scored because of a pitch clock or a quick pitch violation. Um, Joey Wentz was warned one time before he was a minister of the violation and it happened again and it helped score. Uh, I think it was JP France. Um, JP, J, J, JP France. Is that a, is that a new player? Is that, oh, is no, that that's the, that's the, that's the Astros uh, pitcher. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, 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 oh boy. Oh boy. We're going to have to recut that. Now. Uh, JP Crawford. I was looking at JP and I was looking at France at the same time on my notes here, but uh. Uh, um, <laughs> runners in scoring position for the team, one for 12 and team left on base 12. Not great. 
not great, even with people getting hits. We just couldn't bring them around. Um, but again, the Mariners were able to win the series and it put them over 500 um, for the season, which is, you know, uh, they've kind of been battling, getting one game over 500 and dropping back down to 500 and getting one game over. So it was just good to see at least the Mariners picking up two wins this se- this series um, in Detroit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think the the pitching still, I think, you know, albeit um, Matt Brash's kind of bumbles there, but um, I still think the pitching is looking incredibly solid, all still looking like the top, you know, rotation. And still, I still think the top bullpen, one of the top bullpens in baseball. So all trending positively there. I think the offense had a great series, um, you know, from what we've seen in the past couple of weeks. Right. So I think that there's a lot of positives to take away from the series, despite the, uh, the way that it ended. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a couple of the notes you have here, um, you know, Julio, I feel is turning around. Um, but our, our last podcast, we talked about how George Kirby could be a potential Cy Young candidate this early in the season. Um, he's not the only Mariners pitcher. I mean, it's going to happen when you have the best pitching staff in baseball, but, um, you know, the next person that's looking, you know, I called him future ace Bryce Miller, you know, um, he's kind of taking the ball and run running with it. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that, uh, he is a future ace at this point, but he might pick up some all-star votes at this point. You know, he he came up in May, but he turns in a couple more outings like he has. I mean, we're playing in Seattle. It'd be really cool if we saw Bryce Miller, you know, show up at that All-Star game as a player that was picked for the All-Star game. That would be uh, that would be pretty awesome. That would be, I mean, very exciting, I think, to showcase. Because at this point, I think you have to believe that Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, and George Kirby, I think are all at least Luis Castillo and George Kirby in my mind are trending towards an all-star nomination. Right. I think Logan Gilbert's, I think Logan Gilbert might be getting, it might be on the outside looking in, but he's, you know, I think the next closest one. And I think Bryce Miller, right. If this continues, um, is going to be heading on that too, on the head, potentially heading on that path too. a lot of starting pitchers to carry from one team, but again, best pitching is the rotation in baseball. Um, I think important to note, right. We'll cover this again. <clears throat> We'll cover this again on Friday's episode, but Bryce Miller is slated to take on Atlanta in Atlanta in the next um, Friday game. Right. And that'll be a, that'll be a big test for Bryce Miller. So mm-hmm. um, I think he's up to the task, um, but uh, that'll be a big test to see kind of what he's got, see if he's able to keep it going. And, you know, I think he's lined up pretty well for, I think it's Oakland after that. So, you know, maybe he'll have a couple more outings, but um, he'll have a couple more outings obviously before, we get to the all-star game, but um, this next one will be a good test to see if what he's really got. And if, you know, I think if it's the, everything looks positive out of this Atlanta start, I think your, your prediction there of maybe a p- potential consideration is a little bit more of a reality. So um, yep. definitely want to watch them. Yep. Yep. I'd, I'd love to see it. Mariners last time they had a, uh, they had hosted the all-star game was 2001. And if you remember correctly, like seven Mariners got the nomination. Um, I'd love to see as many Mariners as 
they could get into the all-star game this season. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we talk about the pitching staff, but Julio could have a shot if he can turn it around. Um, Kelnick, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Him at least being an alternate or a, uh, a backup, you know, at the left field position, you know, yeah, definitely. um, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> what question you posed on, on the notes here? And I, I think it's an interesting question. Uh, month of May, who's, who's been the best offensive player? Um, you know, we've, we've certainly kind of saw guys like Kelnick kind of cool off a little bit. Julio's starting to heat up as he got moved down. Uh, Teo's kind of been up and down. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of who your pick is so far. You know, we're 15 days into May. Who's been the Mariners best offensive player in May? Well, you read my tone wrong in the question. This is posed as a this was posed as a trivia question. So let's start there first. So let's do it this way. Who is the who leads the Seattle Mariners in batting average for the month of May thus far? Take a guess. Ty France. Uh good guess. Not quite. He's actually third on the list. JP Crawford. Uh incorrect. I'll take one more guess, and it is going to be Tom Murphy. Tom Murphy is number two. Jose Jose Caballero is your best player since the month of May. Yes, the month of May. Best best offensive, best best valued player that we've had thus far. So, um, And that's just, uh, I think your answers there are such a good thing, right? That he's been so good but kind of behind the scenes right that he like has been helping this team drive us forward right like at that bottom of the order having a very consistent good at bats and um i would say uh yeah ty france is probably the guy that i think of right immediately because he's on 11 game hitting streak and um recording he on got Did he, he got he got today? a hit so it's it's a 12 okay. game hitting streak gotcha. and we're going to talk about this boston game in a second but, um, but yeah, Ty France was probably my pick um, just because mm-hmm. he's had a kind of elite, I would say, plate discipline thus far and making some really good swing decisions. But after looking back at the stats and thinking like, oh, yeah, that's probably right. Jose Caballero is my my lock it in pick for the player of May so far. Yep. Well, I, I told you, I think it was two episodes ago. Maybe it was before we shot. Caballero was leading the team in hitting regardless of plate appearances. Mm-hmm. You know, now he had he had a couple games after that where he went over, um, and it dropped him under Kelnick. But he's been really, really lighting it up, and really, like we said, really showing that he should be prior, probably part of the squad. You know, especially after Dylan Moore comes back. So, um, good on Caballero to lead lead that list. Um, but you got to give it up for guys like Ty France too. Um, 12 game hit streak now been looking really well. Um, JP Crawford got moved up to the top of the list and, and still having some big hits, some timely hits. Um, his average doesn't reflect it, but, um, you know, you, you really don't see the value when you're just looking at the box score. You know, there's a reason that he took over the leadoff spot for Julio, you know, and I'd even say Julio in at least the last week seems to be turning around a little bit, you know, his, his batting average is ticking up a little bit slowly, you know, but, um, you know, he's hitting the ball a lot better, seeing the ball a lot better. And that's, that's good to see at this point of the season, especially with this road trip, because this road trip is going to be a big one. Um, you know, we got, 
the AL East coming up and, and, you know, it could be some of the only times we kind of see these guys and they're going to be big, you know, if it, you know, come wild card weekend, you know, we're probably going to see one of these teams. Uh, Super important when we're talking about the AL East with just, uh, the depth that the AL East has right now, I think the last I checked, I think I still believe all, yeah, all the, all, all of them are over 500 right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> there can be four, there's, you know, there's three wildcard spots, right? Um, and if you think of maybe three teams from the AL East, are going to get all those, right? If you're keeping track at home, that means that you, the Mariners need to win the division in order to make the playoffs. So, um, <clears throat> Uh, just a super, super important series when it comes to AL East teams. Um, and I think uh, there's also an emphasis on um, the Mariners only play the Rays, I believe, in the month of September. Um, so, like, that just drives home just, like, when we play these AL East teams, you know, we have to try our best to at least get two out of three against them, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, win, you know, whatever, three out of four and four game series, like, so they're super important, and we got off to uh, we got off to a very solid start with uh, with the Red Sox series today. Um, towards yep. that, yeah. Typically, we go into a uh, a preview here. Um, you know, towards the end of the episode, after we talk about the series that had just ended, but we're shooting so late that Seattle's in Boston and they finished the game before we shot. So we could talk about the game. And was it was it just me, or was it the George Kirby show tonight? Dude, George Kirby looked, looked, I just looked flawless. I, I don't know any other way to put it. Like his baseball savant page, like it's just, it's exactly what you want to see. Velocity was up on every single one of his pitches and his spin was up on every single one of his pitches. Like, mm-hmm. and the fact that he was doing this against the Red Sox, who are, I think the last I looked, the sixth best offensive team in baseball, right? Overall. Um, in terms of weighted runs created, uh, just all that more impressive. And like, I don't know what else you can say about him at this point. He's becoming, he's becoming all but the ace that we all intended him to be. And, you know, I think for your point and your credit, right. The Cy Young candidate that we intended him to be. Yep. He picked up his fifth win of the season. He's five and two. Now, honestly, at least one of those games should have been a win. He should be six and one, you know, he got Felix in the Philly game. He's, been the best starter on a number one pitching staff, you know, a number one overall pitching staff in the MLB. It just, it, every time he's on the mound too, it's, it's so just fun to watch. Cause you know, he's gonna put the ball over the plate. You know, he's not a wild pitcher. He throws with command and, you know, even though his strikeouts, you know, he only had six strikeouts tonight and, he kind of bounces, gets four, five, six strikeouts. You know, he, he makes it look really good on some of those swings and misses. Um, his final line for the night, six and two-thirds innings, eight hits, one run, one earned run, one base on balls, did have six Ks. And uh, that was – they were talking about it on the broadcast because the Mariners went up 3-1 at one point. And they won 10-1, but they went up 3-1. And – they were talking about it and laughing towards the end of the game because they're like a three, one ball game. Like that's, that's George Kirby's, you know, you get him three runs, you're going to win that ball game. You know, after he got out of the game, they tacked on another seven, (laughs) but 
I mean, it was just uh, so great to see George Kirby do what he did. Like he's always forever and always now, at least for the foreseeable future, when we're talking about pitching matchup, he's going to be the one that I key on every time. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I've said this numerous times before, but as a, as a former failed bad pitcher, right. Um, it's very pleasing to watch guys that command their pit that can command pitches so well. And the fact that he has so many pitches that he's able to command very well, is just so satisfying to watch and put it where exactly where he wants them to. He's just, he's just a pitcher that, um, I feel like the Mariners haven't had in a long time. And, um, he is just, uh, everything that we, I think we wanted him to be at this point. Yep. Um, bullpen after he came out of the game, uh, Gabe Spire came in, got the monkey off his back a little bit, uh, third of an inning, got a hold. And then the Mariners went on to score seven runs. So Sacedo came in in the eighth, pitched an inning, had two Ks. And then we had a flexing sighting at the end of the game. He came in, um, did give up a hit. No runs, though. It brings, I, I got to look it up. That brings his ERA to a 7.46. Last time I checked, it was 7.71. So it's coming down. It's coming down, baby. It's, it's coming going down. down. It's going down like the stock market. So, um, <laughs> but uh, great pitching performance today, all around for the Mariners. And offensively, they did what they needed to do. It was a pleasant surprise. Um, I got one stat here that they said on the broadcast that I had to write down and, and bring up on here. Um, Alex Mayer, who I think is one of the the guys that kind of looks into stats for the Mariners broadcast ended up posting this on Twitter and then they posted on the broadcast later on. Aaron Goldsmith was having a good, good chuckle about it because it was, it was an impressive feat. Cal Raleigh went three for five tonight, had three runs, four RBIs, hit two home runs. He hit those two home runs. He's a switch hitter. He hit one from both sides of the plate tonight. First one was left-handed went for, I think it was four thirty-eight which mm-hmm. is the third longest ball that he hit um, ever in his career. And then the next time he was at bat, he switched to the right side because Richard Blyer was on the mound. He smacked a home run that went 434, which was the fifth longest home run of his career. But the stat is Cal's the first catcher to hit home runs from both sides of the plate ever in Fenway history. Fenway has been a major league ballpark for 112 years. And he is the first catcher ever to do that at Fenway. So big ups to Big Dumper. You're making history, man. You helped break the drought last year. This year, you're the first catcher ever to hit a home run from both sides of the plate in Fenway. No, you love to see it. And, uh, you know, the big dumper was kind of a guy that I felt like he's actually, uh, he's, he's still, he's looked fine. Right. But like, I think especially for a catcher, we're getting him and he was kind of the one guy that I thought maybe you could kind of pick at a little bit. Like he's not, I, I think put some of the strong, some of the best at bats together, but you know, that all came together today. So, um, I, I love it. I love to see it. Yep. Yeah. He was, he was really close to having four hits on the day. Um, you know, ended up ended up coming down into someone's glove, but um, otherwise, offensively, Ty France went two for five, extended his hit streak to twelve games. Um, had a had two doubles, so he's got twelve doubles on the season. Um, Kelnick went two for th- five. Um, 
had three runs. You know, one of the one of the times he got on, it was a field of choice, and then he ended up scoring. So three runs on the day. Tail went two for four, one run. Um, you know, and then uh, <laughs> I didn't write down his name, uh, but uh, AJ Pollock came in to pinch hit for Taylor Trammell. <laughs> went two for two, had two RBIs. So good to see him string together a couple hits. Granted, the second one came off a position player um, because the Red Sox were down with so many runs. And according to the broadcast, the Mariner or the, the Red Sox have a six man pitching rotation. So they carry one less reliever and Alex Cora decided it'd probably be best if he didn't burn one of his relievers because there's still two games in the series and he pitched uh, the shortstop whose name is eluding me. I think it was Emmanuel Valdez. If, that sounds if right. That, that that's sounds right. right. That's correct. That's, yep. That's, that's correct. correct. Yep. So no, Pablo uh, Reyes. Sorry. Pablo oh, Pablo Reyes. Reyes. Sorry, sorry. Valdez is the one that came in after him to shortstop. He moved from second to short. You're right. So yep. um, that's why, that's why I'd heard his name. But um, anyways, uh, Paul came in, did go two for two. Uh, one, two, three, four, five different Mariners had RBIs. Gino had a blast to center field in the eighth inning for his fourth home run of the season. Um, it was a two-run shot, so 21 RBIs. They went five for 15 with runners in scoring position, and nine people were left on, uh, including I, – I think that number is a little scuffed because the uh, the position player did load up the bases at the end of the game. He was <laughs> not pitching well, um, but uh, we got a little – Yeah, we got a little overzealous, and uh, Caballero grounded out to end that inning with the bases loaded, so – Again, a, a very good offensive put out um, for the Mariners, but I mean, if you're looking at one point in this game, George Kirby's got to be, got to be that point in this game, you know. Yep, George Kirby and George Kirby and Cal Raleigh, man, um, part of that young core, uh, looking good. And don't look now, don't look now, but the Mariners since the month of May, um, they're running at about a 99 WRC plus, right? Um, which is about 13th in baseball. Um, that's, uh, you know, it's a major step up from where they were, um, you know, I think prior to that. So I think there are definite signs of life that the offense is coming along. If the pitching can keep you know, moving along like it does, we're, we're talking about we really got something here. So I think, uh, I think things are moving along in a positive, positive way. Yep. And it's funny because the last couple of times they've strung together seven, eight, nine, ten 10 runs. We talk about it as they strung together hits, singles, doubles. But tonight, it was the long ball. Cal yep. had two. Both were two-run shots. Gino had a two-run shot. Three home runs. That attributes to six of the ten RBIs, just in home runs. So they're kind of getting it done both ways, and it's it's good to see. I feel like you need to you need to be able to win the game by hitting the ball, but you also need to be able to do the little things, you know, the stuff that, like, Cleveland last year did. You're going to get on base. You're going to move over. You're just going to keep the line moving. You know, that's every time. That's what they say every time on the broadcast. You know, Aaron Goldsmith, Rick Riz, just keep the line moving. And uh, it's, it's great to see that, too. 100%. 100%. Yep. Mariners, you know, take game one of the series. Um, so they have a chance tomorrow, well, as you're listening to it, today, uh, on Tuesday, to – pick up the series win. And uh, again, another Mariners ace is on the mound. 
Luis Castillo, Lapidra. He's going to be on the mound. He's facing Nick Pavetta. Um, I'm sure uh, the the big thing in the Red Sox lineup we didn't see Yoshida, um, and so I'm sure That's Luis right, Castillo yeah. is going to see Yoshida. And uh, <laughs> there was a wild stat earlier this this month. I don't I don't know if it's still true. I'm assuming it it's not. But like through the first like ten or eleven days of May, um, Yoshida had zero swings and misses. Oh, which I, is, I, I is don't know. Um, I, I believe it. Yeah. It was know. something, something our friend Cody Esman, um, friend of the show, Cody Esman sent it Boom. to us. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, man. Uh, Yoshida's fun to watch. Um, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. The, a couple of the stats, too, that they said on the broadcast were kind of wild. Like the, the Red Sox are number one in baseball right now in not swinging at pitches over the plate. Like, very selective. <laughs> like, no, no, and it's funny because it was right on cue. They said this stat, and then Jaron Duran got caught looking. Like, beautiful pitch by Kirby, but it was just like right on cue. And it, they're very selective. They're they're still one of the best, better offenses in baseball. I think they you are. said they yep. were six in slugging. I I thought they said on the broadcast they were fifth, but they're third in uh, weighted on base percentage. Uh, they're six and wait. They're they're six and oh, sorry, that was I'm looking at the month of May. Uh, they're right around the sixth or seventh best team in baseball when it comes to woba, way runs created, yeah. all that. So like, still very very good offensive team. Yep. 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 So I mean, um, it was good to see them shut up, shut them down tonight. Um, but you know, I'm sure we're gonna see Yoshida, and um, that's gonna be a big test for Luis Castillo because Yoshida's usually hitting one, two in that lineup, and. Uh, you know, it's certainly a favorable matchup because Nick Pavetta, you know, isn't uh, he's he's a good pitcher, not a great pitcher. So, and then uh, Wednesday's game series ender, um, series finale, uh, Marco takes the mound. He's facing Brian Bello. Um, again, going to be a good matchup, a, a big matchup to see of those two matchups. But which one are you? I mean. You got Lapidra and you got Marco. Marco's been on a run. Lapidra's kind of, you know, he's given up three home runs in his last three starts. Uh, Four seventy-one ERA his last three starts. But um, which which matchup are you looking most forward to in the next two days? Um, probably the Luis Castillo one. Uh, I just would like to see him get back to a point where I think he's you know looking the more dominant himself that he is right he's still you know been pretty good these last couple of games but I would hope that he's able to kind of pull it back together in this uh in this next game but um you know I'd also love to see Marco kind of pick it up and you know continue to play, continue to like, give us a chance to win but if I had to pick one that I was going to pinpoint probably the Luis Castillo game yep yep, yep. <clears throat> certainly going to be a big couple games because uh the Mariners currently are four and one or excuse me, three and one on this uh, road trip as we sit currently. Um, and we're going into what I think is going to be one of the biggest non AL series of the season, because after Boston, they travel to Atlanta and see a very, very good Braves team. Um, we're going to see really good baseball. And uh, so I'd love, love the Mariners to get a series win here. Um, just so, you know, we can kind of stay out over 500 if things don't go right. 
you know, knock on wood in Atlanta, but uh, we've got some good baseball coming up in the next week or so. Some good baseball. And then I, you know, I think I believe after that we're, we're in Oakland. So we'll get a chance to, you know, I no. think. Uh, we're not in Oakland yet. No, we're, we got pirates coming up after Atlanta. I think we go, we got the pirates coming up the weekend after Oakland. So we go oh, okay, to Atlanta, okay. then okay. we go to Oakland, then we go, then Pittsburgh. So we got, we got a little bit of a break in there between some pretty good teams okay. in good, terms of pirates. Good, good. So yeah, I, I totally spaced on that Oakland. Uh, series it must be because you know oakland isn't doing well um but yeah yeah that's fair <laughs> that's fair yep Bo and i are going to start a new thing um at the end of every episode we kind of mentioned it uh in the last episode um because i always ask Bo his thoughts and he kind of doesn't come up with something or he just tells us hey let's get out of here but uh we're going to use the final few minutes of this podcast um, Bo, you've got the floor. You had some Mariners prospects that you've wanted to highlight, and we are we're going to take this time at the end of every episode to do this for you to pick out like two or three to talk about. Bo, you've got the floor. Which prospects do you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean today I think we have to talk about um, Brian Wu and uh, Prelander Baroa. Um, uh, Brian Wu continues to. Um, <clears throat> I would say dominate the Texas league right now. Um, his most recent start, he went seven strong um, with seven strikeouts, no walks. Um, I think the, the thing that's most impressive to me when I'm looking at Brian Wu right now is that when it comes to a K minus walk rate across all minor league baseball right now for like qualified pitchers, um, Brian Wu is in the top 10 of that, right? Which, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe top 10 doesn't jump off the page, but, um, you know, I think it's across minor league baseball in, in its entirety, right? So, like, he is just, uh, he's looking like another, um, you know, success story right now for this Mariners, I would say, development side on the pitching side of things. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think we'll talk about trade bait at some point. Maybe that's potentially what Brian Wu might end up being. Um, but I think that's probably saved for another day. But he is looking all but the next kind of, um, you know, the next kind of, uh, I think gun and that we have available coming up out of the minors for us, you know, barring some sort of minor injury or other injury that we might have. Um, but he is looking all bit of the the next guy out of the, out of the, the minor league system to come up and play a pitch in the majors. Um, and I think it's just important to note Prelander Baroa. Um, this may be an advent of how well, you know, the minor league starting pitching side of going, but like Prelander Baroa has shifted to more of a reliever role as he's in tech, as he's in uh, Arkansas. So I think it's just important to note that, um, you know, we might be seeing him soon. I guess that's what I'm saying. Right. So like we're seeing one ten right now. Um, we'll kind of, what we'll see what happens with Penn Murphy, how long he's out the same as Menuno's, but I think Prelander Burrow might be another relief arm that you're just going to see, I think probably sooner rather than later. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mariners give him a shot, maybe move one ten around or, um, a couple other guys. And then he, I could also see Prelander Burrow going to Tacoma as well to kind of be on that little taxi squad that the Mariners like to have there. Um, so I think it's just something to watch with him. And then, uh, I think the final note, which we mentioned last time, Jonathan Classe did get promoted to double a most recently. Um, he's off to a little bit of a slower start. I think, fully anticipated for his age um, and just being in the Texas league right now. So um, continues, I think, you know, hopefully have a continues that breakout season that he's had and 
just uh it's what we wanted to have for this mariners program or for this mariners development side of things this um season was just that we kind of sold the farm a lot last year and now we're kind of building that back up and you know classe is a big part of that um brian Wu is a big part of that and there's a couple other guys that we'll kind of touch on i think as we go along that are kind of really developing and building i think this mariners farm system um for 2023 <clears throat> yeah yeah and uh, with how stacked the Mariners pitching has been, you know, the best best pitching staff in baseball and and Bryce Miller comes up and looks like he's kind of the real deal. Um, you know, it's good to mention Brian Wu. I think I'm I don't ever want to trade anyone, but like I'm more excited with him doing so well that his trade value could go up and it could help us net a, a really big name by the trade deadline. You know, we, we kind of had our doubts at the start of the season. And, um, you know, with the way Brian Wu's playing, I don't know about you, but Brian Wu could, could certainly be a centerpiece to a, a big trade later on in the season. He could be. And then I think, uh, you know, part of my – Jerry did mention, I think, at some po- interview that he had, right, that, like, uh, Brian Wu's a name that came up a lot in, like, offseason discussions, right? So – um, I think there's a, there's, I think there's a decent chance that Brian Wu might get moved. Right. I think the, I think the first solution or the first hope is always that they come to the majors and they pitch, you know, really well, just like Bryce Miller is thus far. Right. I feel like that's always the first hope that, um, and then, you know, whatever helps out, whatever you know happens after that happens. But, um, I think it's, uh, it's a good note that, you know, if he continues to pitch as well, I think it's positive, you know, on the major league side, but also on the trade side. So I hope it continues for him. Uh, quick trivia question here for you, Bo. You brought up Prelander Barua. Uh-huh. He's a very, he's a, is a guy that can touch a hundred, little wild at times, and he's getting converted into a reliever. Who is the last guy that we heard the Mariners organization take a starting pitcher that had a hundred mile an hour fastball, little wild at times, and became a dominant closer? A dominant closer, a dominant closer, because I'm going to say you, you you got pretty close to describing Matt Brash there, but um, uh, I believe his name was Edwin Diaz is the answer you're looking correct, for. Correct, correct. And now he comes out to Timmy Trumpet and uh, is, you know, unfortunately hurt this season, but, um, you know, if Baroa can turn into Edwin Diaz, like, <laughs> I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Imagine, you know, Baroa, Munoz, Paul Seawald, uh, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine innings, you know, if we need them, you know, oh, I, I get chills. Already tacking on to an already good bullpen. I'd love it. Yep. 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 So we'll see. <laughs> that has been our show for the day. Um, like I said, Bo is going to pick a couple prospects every, every podcast to kind of highlight at the end of the end of the show. It makes a, little bit better transition towards the end so um you know i still got to ask you about do you got anything else you want want to say before we get out of here um no i don't think so i think i'm good so are you, are you surviving the heat it's really hot over here um that's all i got uh the heat has not been too bad over here oh, okay um 60s 70s um really really nice when the sun goes down it's been saying like 40s 50s Okay, well, anybody that's in the greater Seattle area, just uh, just stay cool. It's uh, it's it's warm over here. So there you go. That's all I got. 
for all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond. Thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you.